Um, so we have in this past week's Parsha a very um, interesting episode that has in it um, a tremendous lesson, I think, that could be very valuable to us on multiple, in multiple fields. And like I, I try to find areas to talk about or to think about that will have um, impact if we, if we inculcate those ideas have impact on multiple arenas of our life. So this area um, is interesting because what I found when I, when, I was, uh, when I was researching it is that it kind of, it's a little counterintuitive because the lesson seems to go in two very divergent paths and seemingly uh, like counterintuitive ones. You wouldn't, you wouldn't assume to have the same end out of, uh, out of that, that start. You wouldn't assume to have those two separate ends from the same beginning. And I try to explain what I mean. I give these always give these weird introductions. I'm thinking like, what are these guys? I lost the crowd already. Anyhow, so last week's parsha was a was if by Genesis standards a very um, not a lot of stuff happened. Right? We just started Genesis a couple of weeks ago. Last week was the fifth parsha. It was called Chayisara. Almost nothing happened. You have basically three, maybe four events. You have Sarah dies. Right? They have to procure a burial spot for them. They procure a spot. And then we move on to trying to find a spouse for Isaac. And Abraham sends his trusted servant to go find a, a spouse for Isaac. He travels to Aram Naharaim. He goes east to Mesopotamia. He goes to the, uh, uh, to the well. He starts praying. Eventually he meets Rebecca. Uh, he brings her back with him to Israel. She marries Isaac. And then Abraham dies at the end of the parasha. Well, a few more minor things happen. Like Abraham got remarried, had a few kids. Abraham dies. That's the mo- that, that's all that happened. It's a, you know in, in a in a sea of or in a book full with like mu- like multi episodes, like tons of episodes that uh, in every parsha it seems very um, uncomplicated parsha. That's what happened. Okay, pretty simple. What's interesting is is that you have this description, this whole narrative talking about Eliezer. The, 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 the servant, the trusted servant of Abraham traveling east and the instructions he gets from Abraham. Abraham makes him swear to do what he instructed him to do. Find a wife for, for Isaac. I want her to be from my family, from my hometown, from my country. I don't want you to marry him to find something, someone from, from Israel. No, because they're idolaters. Go back to where I grew up. Uh, he makes him swear that. He heads, so Eliezer heads with a bunch of camels, which is a bunch of camels. Interesting camels, this whole camel thing. This is one of the um, original claims of the Bible critics against the veracity of the Torah was the fact that Abram had camels. And according to uh, the, according to the uh, research that uh, was uh, prevalent at those times in the, early, the late 19th century, uh, the late 19th century, Abraham wouldn't have had camels, but that was obviously demonic. Anyhow, so he takes the camels, he heads east, he reaches the well, he finally reaches the town where, where Abraham grew up, and he starts praying. What does he say? He says, okay, Almighty, I'm looking for a, a wife for Isaac. The girl, the right girl, uh, I'm going to do a test for her. Right? I, like, this has the, been the, the premise of, of my uh, dating instruction. I've always said, well, it's all about making tests, right? All about determining character. Right? You want to determine character. So I'm going to try to figure out if this woman is, is, you know, is, 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 has the character necessary to be the mother of the Jewish people. So what does he do? What's the, what's the test I'm going to do? He says, the girl, I'm going to ask her to give me a drink. And the girl that says, not only am I giving you a drink, 
but I'm feeding all your camels. That's the right one. That's, that's his prayer. Right? I'm going to ask the girl for a drink. She's going to say, yeah, I'll give you a drink, but I'll also give all your camels. That's the test he does. It says that Rebecca comes out, and she has a, a, a bowl or whatever, a jug over her shoulder, and she goes to the well, and he goes over to says, can I have a drink? And she says, not only am I going to give you a drink, I'm going to give your camels a drink. And she starts giving him a drink, and then she fills up the camels, she fills up the, the trough, whatever it's called, for the camels. They drink, and, she, and he says, and he's like so excited, he can't contain himself. He starts giving her jewelry, and he says, who are you? What, 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 what family are you from? She says, oh, I'm from this and this family, which is like, oh my gosh, that's Abraham's own family. He's Abraham's uh, cousin, um, uh, Abraham's niece. Cousin, I don't remember exactly. Um, he gets all excited. He goes with her to. Yeah, it says he gives her nose rings. Nose rings were popular, I guess. I guess they still are, right? Or had to come back. He gives her bracelets. They goes to meet the family. He meets her brother, her dad. He tells them over the whole story from the beginning to end, which is also very unique by Torah standards. You don't typically have narratives com- repeated compl- almost verbatim. He gives the police the whole narrative. Almost, he says, "And Abraham made me swear, and I came, and I made the had this whole test, and I met Rebecca." And I, Everything. He tells the whole story. Eventually, they agree to let her go. She goes, and she marries Isaac. That's the story. Okay? And if you take a look at Rashi, Rashi points out that this test that he devised for, for Rebecca was to, was to determine whether or not she was a, a woman of chesed, of kindness. Woman of kindness. So, uh, what I wanted to take out from that is two things. Number one, we noticed that what was the thing he was looking for? Right? When we talk about the criteria we're looking for in a spouse, he had one thing, one item on the list. He only made one test, right? right? What was his item on the list? That she should be a kind person. Seemingly, this characteristic of kindness is so important and so telling that if you have this, everything else will fall into place. That's otherwise, well, maybe she's a kind person, but there's other holes in her character. Maybe she's not worthy of marrying Isaac and being with the Jewish people. Somehow, if he was able to determine that one item, that she was a kind person, that was enough for him. Seems pretty reasonable, right? And item number two that I found was that he gave us here the, uh, he gave us over here the uh, the method or the definition, the prototype of kindness. Define kindness. He was looking for kindness. What did he do? He developed a test for kindness. What was the test? The test was not to see if the girl was willing to do a favor for someone else. That won't prove it. It's to see if the girl was able to through her own intellect or her own vision, see that this person needs not only water for himself, but water for all his cows or his camels. Chesed, as defined by this, Chesed is the Hebrew word for kindness. Kindness, as defined by this Torah narrative, is not only to do uh, to do good, to be a kind, giving, benevolent person uh, for things that are presented to you. Right? These are, okay, this person needs X. Could you help them? If I go over to someone and say, hey, someone needs whatever it is, any kind of kindness, right? Could you help? And you help? That's not necessarily proof that you're a kind person. Had, had the woman said, sure, I'll give you water, that's not proof that she's a kind person. 
The only proof is, is she says, oh, I'm going to give also to something you didn't ask me for. Even something you didn't ask me for, that's what I'm going to take care of. I notice your needs. Not only do you need water, but you clearly came with a whole, a whole posse of camels here. You clearly have other needs. And I noticed that for myself. To notice someone else's needs, to know what another person needs, to try to help them, even though you, were, you weren't told about it, that's what kindness is. That characteristic is kindness. And that characteristic is the key to have, or at least for Isaac, and maybe it's also for us, to look for in, in someone you're, you're going to spend the rest of your life with. We're looking for Isaac, we're looking for a spouse, what's the most important thing? Or what's even the only thing? This characteristic, kindness. But what does kindness mean? To see what someone else is going through, or someone else's status, their needs. This person needs not only water for themselves, they need water for their whole, their whole, uh, their whole uh, entourage. And to try to take care of someone's needs, you know, even if they, even if you weren't told about it, you have to notice what someone else is going through to be a kind person. Those were my takeaways from this. Uh, from this, my like two takeaways, and I wanted to. Uh, I found that my grandfather, in one of his books, this one to be precise, he uh, he writes. Um, he brings this story, and he gives another story, which is an awesome story, which has to do with Pesach, everyone's favorite Jewish holiday. Mm-hmm. Right? There's uh, the, the the two things that the Jews, even the even the Jews that that are really distant from Judaism. They celebrate Passover, and they celebrate a bris mila, right? Circumcision. Interesting. And uh, I had a, f- a friend who, who made a bris mila on Pesach, or right before Pesach. And he noted that, it's interesting about these two, these two mitzvahs are something which Jews, even Jews that are estranged from Judaism, still observe that. Anyhow, so this, so this rabbi gets a knock at the door the day before Pesach. Now, the day before Pesach, for any rabbi, is the busiest day of the year. Why? Because there's people are cleaning their house for, for, for chametz. There's, there's people, there's all this special holiday food. You have the matzahs. There's all these million kinds of questions. Before any Shabbat or any holiday, there's, there's, oh, it's always a high time for rabbis. Anyhow, this rabbi, this is a story about a rabbi in the 19th century. Because I said over the story, then someone, I, I knew the story as an anonymous rabbi, but then someone says, oh, no, 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 it was this rabbi. And he showed me the link on Google. So there's this one rabbi who lived in Lithuania. He gets a knock on his door the day before, before Pesach. Uh, he opens his door, and one of his uh, constituents is there. He says to him, Rabbi, I have a question. What's the question? I want to know the four cups of wine. I mean, on, on, the, on the Seder night, you're supposed to drink four cups of wine. It's part of the process, part of the Haggadah. And I want to know if I can use milk. Can I use milk in lieu of wine? I don't know enough money to buy wine. Wine's expensive. I can afford milk. Can I use milk? The rabbi told them, uh, no, can't use milk. But here's some money. He gave him, he gave him money. Yeah, fine. Go buy yourself. So his wife said to him, wait a minute. The guy didn't have wine. You gave him money for a lot more than wine. How come you didn't just give him? You gave him a lot of money. So how can we give him so much money? Give him enough money to buy wine and fire today. That's enough. So the rabbi said to his wife, from his question, his question was, can I drink milk? If he wants to drink milk, it must be he has no money for meat for the meal. Because this guy would never have milk 
at a meat meal. So it must be that not only does he have money for wine, he does have money for the whole meal. So he gave money for wine and the whole meal. That's the story. That story, my God, is a beautiful story. And uh, and he's and my grandfather writes. He's like, this shows what it means to be someone who's really caring. If I come to you and say I give you a sob story, there's a person who has some sort of problem going through this challenge. Could you talk to them? Could you give them advice? Could you help them? Right? It's or you see someone even dumb it down here. You see someone uh, who's walking who trips and falls and all the papers go flying. Right? Who's not going to stop and pick up, help that person pick up? Only in Texas, in New York. Oh, maybe I guess. <laughs> no, but that—that's—that's that's what you would call a mensch. In New York City. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. But any mensch, any person, any you would help someone. You see someone who's going, who's you know, who, right? right? But to try to project yourself, to to project yourself into someone else's shoes, to try to really think, what's that person going through? What can I, how can I try to think about that person? Imagine myself in his shoes. What's he going through? What does he truly need? How can I help him? How can I help him on his terms? Not just in what he's presenting me. Right? That attitude, that, that ability to open up your heart, to, to look at someone else and try to ask yourself, what, is, what are they going through? That ability, that's exactly what Rivka had. That's what Rebecca had. That's, and that's what this rabbi had. He didn't say, oh, well, okay, this is a halakha question. Are you allowed to use milk or not? Well, let's find out. Let's go to the sources. Let's say, oh, no, you can't. Sorry. Here's money for, for wine. No, he says, wait a minute. This guy's asking me this question. Where is he coming from? Right? I didn't think about that. You know what? A hundred people out of a hundred wouldn't. Because we're not, we're not used to trying to superimpose ourselves into someone else's shoes. Right? But this rabbit was able to do it. This rabbi had the same character or characteristic that Rebecca had, that Rivka had. And that, that insight, being able to, to imagine yourself, imagine what the other person is really going through, that quality is the quality of, of a great leader like a rabbi and the quality of someone who's going to build the Jewish people, someone who's going to have chesed. And uh, I, I think that for, for our perspective, we, we think of it, you know, we, we know that we're, we grow at least we start off our life being very selfish. You know, I have, uh, thank God, uh, four children. I know for sure, children start off their life being very selfish. They care not about their mother, about their father, about their siblings, about society, nothing. All they care about is their needs, right? If, they, if they're hungry, they want to eat. Right? If they have to burp, they want to cry till they get burped, right? They have their needs and that's all they care about. And that's just the way we're made. That you know, it's, a, it's not no one, no one's gonna, That's just the way we are, right? A small child doesn't wake up to tend to her crying mother. It doesn't work like that. It's the opposite. And throughout the course of our lives, right, we start noticing other people around. Everyone else has their own package of challenges that they're going through. And hopefully, we're supposed to try to chip away at that self-centeredness and selfishness. And, and and try to take our focus and from being solely inwardly, caring only about what I need, what I what I want, what I desire, and thinking outwardly as well. What does that person need? What's that person going through? How can I help that person? That that change is what we're describing here, and that's why it's a challenge for us. 
it's a challenge because we got we, we we don't exactly have a head start here. In fact, our selfishness has the head start. That's how we. That is the de facto status of man. The de facto status is that we're selfish, right? You could change that, right? You could if you'd learn to think about other people. But and there, and and I would argue that there are people that go through life, um, and they may be eighty-five years old, but they're still selfish. And they still only care about themselves. They haven't really matured from 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 the way they were, at, at, you know, as an infant, as a baby. Because ultimately, what they really care about is themselves, and therefore, this manifests itself in multiple multiple areas. Right? They're going to have a very hard time in relationships. Forget about helping people. Forget about being a great person, save the world, having a heart to. To, to, you know, to put all of mankind into your heart and to hear for everyone. Forget about that for a second. But just to, to open up your life to someone, to one other person, or to a family, that's going to be a tremendous challenge. Right? Because if you're really going to share your life with someone else, right, it, it's, it, it's an absolute necessity that by definition it means you're going to have to give up a little bit of your own individuality. And individual uh, individual concerns and individual uh, personal uh, I'm trying to think of the right word uh, agenda. Right? You, why? Because everyone has to sacrifice a little bit. If you're going to take two and make them one, there has to be an element of sacrifice, and it has to be the the ability to say, okay, fine, it's better for someone else, even though it's not better for me. But I'm willing to I'm willing to do what someone else wants. That's also important to me, right? That shift of being able to see someone else, what they need, and have that have value, that one crucial shift makes or breaks relationships. That's the one thing. And, this, and I, I, I say that maybe it's not just a coincidence. Maybe it's not just Rebecca. Maybe it's not Rebecca who needs to be, who's going to be the mother of the Jewish people, who needs to have chesed, who needs to have kindness, who needs to have this one critical uh, element, to, you know, to be the, the wife of, of Isaac, maybe everyone, everyone. When you're looking to find find someone to settle down with, this is the question you ask: How is this person in this one specific characteristic? And that is the ability to overcome their own selfishness, their innate selfishness, and to care for others. How are they going to be able to sacrifice a little bit of their own individual identity for the sake of the good of the, of the sake of the good of of, of, of the unit? Because by definition, if you're taking two halves, making them one, if you really, if you really are going to try to do that to live a one single cohesive life together, each one will have to give up their own, their own a little bit, or they have to, they have to compromise. They have to. That, that's the only way to do it. So maybe not just Rebecca. It's not just some lofty thing. Okay, she's to be the mother of the Jewish people. She needs to have this. Maybe what we're really getting the lesson that we have for us. Is, is not just one of, uh, you know, just the mother of the Jewish people, but also this is the cookie cutter for seeking a spouse. This is what you're looking for. The Torah doesn't give us unnecessary narrative. There's got to be a lesson. Maybe this is the proper approach that we have to pursue when we seek our spouses. We follow Eliezer's lead. We ask ourselves, we'll going to ask this person. Give me something to drink. Are they going to are they going to be able to see anything besides for themselves? Are they going to be able to see what someone else really needs? Are they going to be able to break free, unshackle themselves a little bit from their own self centeredness and, and you know and self focus, inward focus? Maybe that's the question I have to ask myself. 
Maybe that's really the lesson here. Maybe it's, it, it, you know, it's, it's, it's more than just one specific element from narrative that happened thousands of years ago that's not relevant to us. Maybe it's a little more. Maybe, maybe this is specifically the prototype. This, this is how you go about What are you, you're looking for a specific character in someone else. That the ability, the ability to, to sacrifice a little bit of their own to see other people, to know what someone else is going through, to not just focus on themselves and their needs and their wants and their whims. And, uh, you know, I, I've actually mentioned this before in, in this forum, but I'll say it again because I think it is, it's relevant. Uh, we have in, um, in, right in the beginning of the Torah, right, in Genesis, a very peculiar, if you've heard it before, a part of me, you know, I could I say it twice. And I'm always worried that people say, oh, I heard that one, tune out. It's just I have a little self-esteem. So it says that Adam and Eve got together and the whole story that happened with them in the Garden of Eden, anyhow, at the end, they're finally out and it says, it's like a, it's like a, uh, a uh, what's it called, a PSA? It's oh, like a PSA. There's a PSA from the Torah. It says, therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife and they shall be one flesh. That's what it says. Verse in the Torah at the beginning, at Genesis chapter 3, 4, 5, something like that. And uh, I mentioned this before, so I'm so conscious of it. It's crazy. Why are we telling a man should leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, be one flesh, right? These three steps. What does it mean to leave your father and mother? Someone who's independent, living by themselves, has their own job and their own career, and not living by your parents. Your parents are in New York. Right? Your parents are in, are, in, are, in, are in Roslyn, New York, let's say. Let's say. This you're... isn't going to be me. This isn't going to be me. Well, it's basically saying, like, yes, you, your parents are your go-to, like, if you need advice. But when you get married, your go-to person should be your other. Uh, yeah, for sure. If you want to get married, man, your parents yeah. take the back seat. Yeah, the parents take the back seat. Oh, and, like, if you have, if your significant other... Has an argument with your parents, and you should take it inside. Of course, with, absolutely. Because you chose something like you. That's tough. That's tough. My mother always says she's always right. What if? <laughs> <laughs> what if? What are you gonna do? Your mother says she's always right. And she usually is. There's only one time I think that she was wrong. But even she you know, always my mother right. will blame someone else for being wrong and always thinks she's right. No, she's always right. And no, your even right. if your mother, let's say your mother, well, basically you have to marry a guy that your mother thinks is right for you. Or, 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 you say if God forbid there ever so you such a dif- disagreement, you say, and even if you know your husband's wrong, you don't uh, side with anyone. Like a little white lie, right? What did Michael tell Fredo? Like a little white lies. What did Michael tell Fredo? I don't know. Nothing. Don't ever. Side against the family, right? So you just don't take a side. Right? No, no. You don't ever take a side against against your family. I just quoted the Godfather thing. You missed it. Also the first time. Huh? It's also the first time. What? In that? Oh, yeah, I know. <laughs> so he says, listen, you don't, you're, you're part of a family. Michael tells Fredo when they go to Las Vegas. You're part of a family, and therefore you can't fight against the family. If you, if your husband and your mother have a disagreement, 
And even if the mother's right, it doesn't matter. You don't go against the family. Right? Which family? Your, your, your family is you and your... And, and oh, okay. Your, right? That's what it means. Family? Immediate family. That's, that's, that's what family is. So it is. Parents got to take a back seat. And that might be the lesson, by the way, when we say that a, a man shall leave his father and his mother, it means that the father and mother take a, a little bit of a less important role in their life. But I, I think, and I've, uh, I, I think that maybe it's it's a deeper lesson. You know, we 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 all have these circumstances of our life that contribute to who we are. We have our background, we have our family, we have our community, we we have our perspective and how we do things. And, uh, and that's all built into who we are and until the sum total of who we are. And then we're going to try to acclimate ourselves with someone else. And there's, uh, there's bound to be, you know, from different backgrounds and different outlooks on many of even the most basic things in life, there's going to be some conflict. And what the Torah, in my opinion, is saying is that a person has to be willing to leave his father and his mother. His father and mother are demonstrative of his background and his attitude on, on, a, multi, on, a, on, on a vast variety of things. You have to sacrifice a little bit of that. Because right? otherwise, there's not going to be a, the room for common ground um, and acclamation. The acclamation would be very difficult. If each one of them is unwilling to budge, or even if even one of them is unwilling to budge and compromise in so, uh, on some issues, right? This is another out, outgrowth of that idea that we brought from, from, from Rebecca. Right? She was able to not just think about me, let's say my background. Oh, my family did it this way. Right? And my family did it this way. Right? That, that attitude, is, once again, is, 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 is uh, rejecting or at least not giving the same prominence to what someone else cares as to what you care about. That attitude is very dangerous. That attitude is, is uh, deleterious. To the ooh, yeah, to the uh, <laughs> to 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 establishing a family, a life together as a single unified unit, unified unit. So that that was, that was one idea. So we try we we took we took this core concept, this idea of being able to see others and what other people are going through, and the the the, the tantamount importance that we learned from it. Right? What right? What was the one thing that we was looking for? What was the only thing that mattered? The ability to see someone else, whatever they're going through, and to not just be someone who cares about themselves alone. And we could obviously see the tremendous dividends that you would have, um, you know, in your personal life, in your relationships, if you and the person and other people have this quality. It's 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 obvious. It's 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 uh, it's clear. It's, it makes a lot of sense, right? You'll be able to acclimate together. You, you know, be less conflict. You'll be be much smoother, and I'll have a greater chance of survival. What I found, I found in the uh, the Talmud. The Talmud tells you something, which is like I said, it's a little bit counterintuitive. As I started off at the beginning, so there's a, the 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 the, uh, the manifestation of this idea is in, is in multiple areas. So I found the Talmud. The Talmud says that the. The, uh, it makes a connection. It talks about the overlap that exists between chesed, which is kindness, the idea that we just mentioned, and yira. Yira, for those of us who know Hebrew, uh, means yira, means to fear. Fear of God. The Torah tells us in, in Deuteronomy, you should fear God. It's, it's, we should have a serious relationship with God. Now, tell me, how... 
how exactly is there any overlap between the characteristic of seeing some, someone else, what someone else needs, and the idea of having a serious relationship with God? They seem to be totally mutually exclusive, right? Polar opposites. One of them is, first of all, between man and man, caring for someone else, noticing what someone else is going through. Chesed, okay, fine. And one of them is to develop a serious relationship with God. An element of, like I say, it's, a, it's an element of serious. Year of living fear. Year, year, the, 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 the literal translation means fear, but what it means is that there's a seriousness. It's a real relationship, so to speak. Right? At every, at every, at every, in every relationship, there's always a progression where it gets from some, you know, it gets serious. Right? People are invested in it. That's what it means, to be invested in your relationship with God. Those two things, that and chesed and kindness, don't seem to have any common any common roots. So I saw once again hearkening back to my grandfather. He said like this: If a person is able to break through the binds of their own innate, inborn selfishness, if they're able to maybe open up a window to see someone else and what someone else is going through, that same window will allow them to develop, to see God. When someone is selfish, not only can they not have positive relationship with men, they cannot have positive relationships with God. They can't do it. If, if all you care about is yourself, if you're just that baby who maybe got a little older but hasn't really changed fundamentally, right? you're incapable of, having, of seeing other people, you might be able to have basic interactions with other people, but to, have, to really bond with other people, Right? You will be incapable of that. But not only that, you're closed up in your own little world. Right? You see only yourself. There's no window. There's no opening in your heart right, to see anyone else. Likewise, you will not be able to see God either. It's the same thing. The same, the same characteristics that enables us to develop relationships with man enables us to develop relationships with God. Is that what? It sounds very much like the theme of I am thou. Is that a book? Is that a book? Oh, I never read the book. Where are you saying this comes from? Well, this comes from, like I said, I brought the the, the, the Torah mm-hmm. and the Rashi. But you want to know these two ideas? What man and man? The, the relationship that idea. of... It's the close relationships of, of one person and another is the embodiment or how we experience the relationship. And and the limitations, the limitations that you'll face um, if you are unable to right, see another person will be the same thing. The, the same inability to connect to another person will prevent you from connecting to God. Same thing. What I find it fascinating. I'm like, really, this I would think there's such a disparity between these two these two elements, right? You think ah, man's relationship with God and man's relationship with man, they're separate things. What's a spiritual thing? Uh, it's maybe an intellectual thing. The ones that want a social thing. You wouldn't think that they would have such, such an overlap. But maybe on the fundamental roots, the foundation of these core characters, they're exactly the same thing. They demand of man the same thing. The ability to, like you say, to, you're not a baby anymore. It shouldn't all be about your petty needs. Think about what someone else needs. You know, like like we said, make believe you're in their in their shoes. Superimpose yourself into them. I have one more. If I don't want to tell you one more story, I have one more quick story. This one I heard from my grandfather as well. So I'm saying some stuff from my grandfather. But he was in the yeshiva in Poland in uh, the 1930s, 
He was from Germany. He said this, this story happened. He said it's, I don't think it happened to him. He didn't say it wasn't clear if it happened to him. He was one of the members involved or it was someone that he knew. But there were two students in the yeshiva that were good friends. Uh, they were roommates. They, they ate together at the same place. They studied together. They were study partners. One of them came from a very uh, wealthy family, a well-to-do family. And the other one was from a very underprivileged family and who didn't have the basic, 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 basics. Couldn't, he, he didn't have, he wasn't to buy clothing, to buy shoes, nothing. He really was in desperate need of, you know, of some help. But the, he would refuse, obviously. He was a very, he had a pride. And he would refuse, he would refuse to any help. And his other, his friend, who loved him so dearly, but, and wanted to help him, knew that there was no way for him to, to just give him something. He, wasn't, he, he, he would embarrass him. So he came up with this scheme. As a, as a way to, to help his friend. I think mean, what he did was, uh, I have a special, a special fondness for the story because I could hear, I could hear the echo of my grandfather telling, telling me the story. So what he did was, is that he made believe that he was just depressed. And they would eat together and he was all depressed and they would sleep together. Sleep together, that sounds bad. But they would, you know, they were together, they would study together and he was just depressed, depressed. He was sad. So his friend thought that after like a week, his friend asked him, tell me, what, what's the matter? You seem so down. You're so upset. You're so, you're so unhappy. Tell me, what can I do? Can I help? He's like, no, no, you can't help me. It's, you, you can't imagine what I'm going through. I, I can't eat. I can't sleep. I can't learn. I, nothing. He's like, tell me. I, I want to help you. So he tells him, okay, fine, I'll tell you. In the, the town that I grew up, there was this man, this elderly man, who uh, didn't have any family. And, uh, and I, would, I would take care of him, you know, he didn't have anyone in the world, so I would go, I would go to his house, I would help him put on fill-in, I would help him, I would take him for walks, and I was his friend. And he died. And he left me a sizable, a sizable uh, Yerusha, a sizable inheritance, because he had no one else, and he left it to me. And now I have this money, and I don't know what to do with it. I can't, I can't learn, I can't sleep, I, I, can't, I, can't, I can't pray, I can't do anything. I don't know what to do, I don't know what to do with all the money. And I was like, I, so the guy says, Really? I'll help you with it. I'll take it from you. Like, really? You'll take it from me? You saved me. I hear my grandfather say, You saved me. And he gave him the money. And he made him feel like a million bucks. And that's the story. And he, he would put this story together with the other story, the rap and the milk. It's being able to really think about the other person, what's important to them. I know I wanted to give him the money, but I know for sure he'll never take it. I know that. The only way for me to do it is if I if I really come up with this ingenious scheme and I you know, play the part and stay in character for a week, right? And he was he, and that's 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 chesed, that's kindness, that's the ability to really get in someone else's head, to know their needs, to see their needs, to notice what the person's going through, come up with ways to help them. And we can say that that character, right, the the benefits are uh, across a wide spectrum, right? That enables you to have positive relationships. It'll, it'll be the key to uh, sustaining the relationship. Right? We see that Isaac, uh, Isaac finding a spouse, that's the one thing they looked for. Nothing else was important. It seems like it's, a, it's an overarching character, character type that enables someone to have not only positive relationships with man, positive relationships with God. It's important. That's the idea. And thank you all for listening. That's what I wanted to share. Last week's Parsha.